0: Starting September 14th, Kurt Gelsdorf and Mark Hart will be conducting a dribble drive motion offense instructional series. This series will teach you how to install and run the dribble drive motion from A to Z. For more information about this instructional series, check out the link in the podcast description. <music> Welcome, everybody, to the Basketpedia
1: Podcast. Tonight's guest is Coach Justin Duke of Wilsonville High School. How are you doing tonight, Coach?
2: Good, Coach. How are you doing?
1: Great. Um, you were the 2020 Coach of the Year, and unfortunately, the season came to an end in the semifinals. Um, how How did you handle that situation with your team? How did you handle it? I mean, I'm sure... It's every coach's dream, one step away from the finals. It's not like they grow on trees and you get there all the time. But how how was that? How disappointed were the girls? How disappointed were you? And how are they doing today with it?
2: Uh, yeah, certainly really disappointing just because of the the season that we had. And we're in a, in a great spot and probably playing our, our best basketball there at the end of the season. Um, you know, the I felt obviously, especially bad for the seniors, um, knowing that they kind of lived with that that what-if scenario, and we we were so close, and uh, you know, going up against a, a great team that uh, we beat once earlier in the season, and, and they beat us once, and so it's kind of the the rubber match, and uh, it was just going to be really exciting. So the you know the kids took it really hard, um, and uh, it took a while for it to sink in, right? Because it was just everything happened so fast. I don't know how it happened with with you guys and where you're at, but. We were, you know, prepping at a community college, at, you know, from 830 to 10 at night, the night before, and everything's good. And then it's, you know, you're hearing rumors of, hey, there's not going to be any fans. And we're just trying to stay focused on, uh, you know, things that we can control and kind of the game prep. And then you hear in the morning rumblings of things are not going well. And then, you know, they, they pull the plug and uh, you, you got to go and, and gather your team and, and deliver the news. And uh, it's uh, it, it wasn't easy, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm a uh... – getting ready to put in the system here down here in california and you had um coach westhead that was at oregon and you were telling me a great story and um i'd like you to share with us about what you learned at a at a paul westhead university of oregon practice
2: yeah no it was uh it was definitely interesting and uh they they got up some shots but uh they had uh probably the best thing I got was they, they put a manager on the sideline and uh, I think it was three point five seconds they put on the clock. And every time there was a change of possession, if all five players that changed over to the offensive side weren't over half court by the time the buzzer went off, they stopped everything they were doing. They went to the baseline and they ran. And then they'd come back and continue with practice. And uh, it was I'll tell you what, you know, it was seems like, you know, boy, this is, you know, pretty tough or this is a lot of running for, you know, the amount of reps they're getting, but uh, they, they could definitely get up and down the floor, that's for sure. So
1: Oregon's become kind of a hotbed for um, basketball. You got Sabrina um, who went to the WNBA, Coach Kelly Graves, um, how, how important are they to the landscape of women's basketball for your high school program and, and in general up there? In-
0: yeah,
2: um, super important. I think that you know we probably aren't even seeing the benefits of what Scott's done at Oregon State. Um, what Kelly's doing at, at U of O. And, and now we've got, uh, you know, Mike, Mike makeup at university of Portland that uh, mm-hmm. win the conference championship this year. And so, um, you know, you see the, the attendance at, at all of those games and, and the, uh, you know, the girls that are coming and, and watching and, and, you know, going home and emulating Sabrina and some of these other girls. And, um, you know, we're, again, we're probably not even seeing the benefits yet because four or five years from now, those kids that have really been influenced or impacted by them that have been, playing out in the driveway and and doing all this basketball and really fell in love with the game are going to be coming up through the high school ranks. So it's a, it's exciting time to be a high school coach in Oregon for sure.
1: So what are you, what were you doing during COVID? Um, were you streaming anything good?
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah. I I played some, some Xbox and, uh, you know, some Madden (laughs) football and some NBA and, uh, yeah, do, do some of that. And, uh, yeah, I watch uh, the shield. It's like one of my all time favorite shows. The old, uh, the old guy from the commish that, that does that. So watch that on Hulu all the way through again. And, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, spending a lot of time with the kids and, uh, yeah, doing, doing the kids. Didn't you,
1: didn't you just recently have a new one?
2: Yeah. Just, uh, just a few months. So we've got, uh, three in the house now and, uh, getting ready for some distance learning here in the in the next few weeks so everybody wish us luck or if you've got any ideas uh, send them our way because we're so uh, we've are, our hands full
1: so you almost have your own starting five
2: yeah well we got two two girls and a boy so uh, yeah we'll we'll see it's definitely a competitive household that's that's for sure
1: um, as far as basketball summer um, were you allowed to do anything with your high school team
2: really weren't. It, uh you know, it's just kind of, you know, continued and, and gotten frustrating. I think that a couple of times it seemed like we were going to be able to get out and do something or they were going to allow, you know, some socially distanced practice or, you know, everybody has their own ball at their own hoop and do some of those things. But it just um, always seemed like we got to that spot where they were going to turn it on and then they had to, to, to pull it back here a little bit. So um, we haven't done anything official yet. And uh, you know, fortunately, we've got, you know, some kids that that love to play and have found ways to get out in their driveway or, you know, club team to go play for and some of the other stuff. But, um, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're all going to be fighting it a little bit when we finally get to, to start there at the end of December.
1: Well, I got an interesting question for you here. Um, they came down here in California, CIF came up with our contingency plan that what we're going to do with for this season where they moved our high school basketball season to the spring. So our first tip off is until March and you, you being a travel ball coach as well. Um, mm-hmm. no April is usually a pretty important time. Yes. Uh, they also are allowing them to play with their travel ball team concurrently with their high school team, which as we know, as high school coaches as well, usually that's a dead, that's like the no, no, that's like, that's against usually each association's rules. You're not travel ball goes dead and silent during the high school.
2: Um, Um,
1: so you have some great players, um, and you also coach travel ball. What type of situation would that put you in? If you were here in California?
2: Oh man. Um, (laughs) it would be tough. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, you know, I I tell parents that, travel ball is great for for certain kids and, and not great for others i think you you really have to look at each scenario a little bit differently and um you know whether it's you know people get upset with it or not there there's some really good high school programs um where you can stay at that high school program and get the same coaching and a level of experience and maybe you're going to play against the teams that you need to and they're going to develop you and you're going to reach the the same potential that that you would if you were on a club team but uh, you know, the reality is there's, there's some not good high school programs out there and, and not great coaches. And, you know, some of those kids probably, you know, need that, that atmosphere and not just the the competitive piece of it, but really just, you know, I always ask like, what, what are you, what's your interest in club basketball? Like, why are you, why are you doing, I'm a, I'm a high school guy first. Like if I have to pick, we have some pretty strict rules in Oregon, as far as like rules on when we can coach kids and when we can't, um. You know, I would still pick the the high school coaching experience over the club experience, but um, certainly understand you know the, the landscape and, and the value. And you guys have some great club teams down there, and and, and some great high school teams. So um, I'll be interested to see how it shakes yeah. out. I know I know we're not doing that here.
1: <laughs> um, my my gut feeling is is it affects a probably small percentage right. of the schools, the elite the elite programs, if you will. Um, but I think. Um, us being March, I think some of these people are gonna, these girls are already going to be signed. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I talked to one college coach, um, and they said they kind of liked it because normally they only get to see like our last week of league and then playoffs. Right now, if their schedules are are not going to be impacted much, they're going to get to see more of them play in the high school level. Um, yeah. We're playing – my joke is, is I get to get a shirt that says March Madness because we're starting in March. So yep. we'll be playing – we'll be playing hopefully when the NBA finals are playing in June next year. I, I, if, you went, if you go all the way, Yep. the last game here is scheduled to be June 19th. So it's like wow. Father's Day or whatever. I mean, it's kind of n- not in school. Like they'll be out of school. Um, It's just, it's something we got to deal with for a year. I mean, I, I credit our association, CIF. Um, I don't know what, what they've told you. You can tell us here in a sec, but I know we're probably one of the few that's come up with the plan that moved it, but they didn't cut our games. They're allowing us to play the same amount of games that we would normally play. It's just we'd have to do it in like nine less calendar days. Gotcha. So yeah. they're allowing us to play twenty. We're allowed to play twenty-eight basketball games in a regular season. Okay. okay. Did they cut your season? What what's what? What did Oregon come up with? Is there a plan yet?
2: Yeah. So we we can start um, as it is right now, December twenty-seventh. And what they did was they reduced the. All of this. So we have three um, seasons. We got fall, winter, and spring, and they reduced all of the seasons down. And so we are going from 24 regular season or 25 regular season games down to 14. Ooh. And our season is going to go seven weeks long, including first practice date, and then one culmination week for some type of playoff. And we don't know what that looks like and, and how that's going to be. So, again, like I mean, impossible scenario. I give everybody that had to make those decisions a lot of credit. Um, I wish we would have come up with something that allowed for for some more games, um, you know, kind of like you guys have, have done. And yeah. I think really a lot of protection here just on like multiple sport athletes and making sure that, Pats. you know, kids aren't specializing. And so socially, I want the seasons... Yeah, to overlap, but they there's really one of those three distinct seasons still to make sure that, you know, everybody got an opportunity to play. We,
1: we condensed it to two seasons. So yeah. there's going to be some choices being made or there's going to have to be some very creative scheduling um, right. by ADs because I don't know in, in Oregon, but we have a hour an hours restriction on how many hours they're allowed to, to play and practice for the week okay. when we're in season. But okay. what they did was they took the fall sports and moved them to the winter season. So football won't even play here until January. Okay. And they took a couple spring sports and moved them to the fall. So I think you got like six or okay. seven sports in the fall or, or, I mean, yeah, we'll call it fall. Yep. Or no, we'll call it winter. I'm sorry. Starting in January. Okay. And then they took the winter, the traditional winter sports and spring sports and moved them all to the spring.
2: Okay. So yeah. we only have two sports seasons. So that, gotcha.
1: that basketball track or basketball baseball player may have to work it out with their coaches or figure it out gotcha. what they're going to do or they're going to have to
2: choose. Right. Yeah, that's a tough scenario. It's, yeah, we've got January, February is our winter sports seasons. Now we put um, our fall sports in between, so they're going to go March, April. So you're going to have football, volleyball, stuff like that for Oregon. March, April, and then your traditional sp- spring sports are just getting p- pushed back to to May and June. Um, so similarly, like you know, they're going to be June, end of June before these spring sports are done, and but school get might get out middle of June. So it's going to create some interesting scenarios and I don't know how it works when with out of season stuff there but you know one hurdle we haven't even you know come across yet or what's going to happen is so you know I get done coaching my basketball team at the end of February um, and we wrap up you know that maybe that first week of March whatever it is but now I can't work with any of those kids like any high school kids not just from my own high school but any high school kids until July in reality and so now how does that work for people that coach club basketball and I think we've, you know, we just have to be real careful. We talk a lot about, you know, not driving everybody to AAU coaches and, you know, private trainers and all this other stuff. But at the same time, you know, when you really limit the access out of season to your high school coaches, it, it doesn't provide for a lot of options. And so then you really get some head between, you know, some club coaches and high school coaches sometimes on on what's happening. So
1: Yeah, we our only restrictions here usually is a dead period of, of two weeks that the athletic department selects. Okay. And then other than that, we're allowed to coach year-round. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you did some travel. How did that go in the gyms? What was it like um, with COVID yeah. and and hopefully everything went okay? I mean, and, and you're still doing it a little bit. You still got some games, I think, coming up. Um, what's it yep. like in the landscape of out there playing in, like, is it limited crowd? Is How are they doing it?
2: Seems like it's a little bit different all over, which is kind of the <laughs> happening all over the country, right? Like, you never, I mean, nice. one state to the next, you know, you don't know. So, we're, you know, we played over in Idaho and um, it was, uh, you know, it was great. They, uh, you know, limited, uh, you know, I think to, two parents could come in and, and watch they stream the games, um, you know, live on, you know, for other people that to come and watch, but you're not just getting the average, you know, fan to watch, you know, come and watch, but um, you know, kids did a great job wearing masks to and from the gym In the gym, you know, once they're there, you know, and, and warming up, they don't have to wear the masks. Um, and uh, you know, it was, it was a small, smaller group, you know, it, like 25 teams or something like that. But, uh, you know, everybody did their part. Like You look up in the stands and people are, you know, separated and, and doing their part. You know, we're wiping down the benches. The, the basketballs are getting wiped down. Um, so, you know, there's no perfect scenario for it. But I think mm-hmm. that, um, it, you know, for the naysayers out there and, you know, I'm not one side or the other, I really land on, you know, I think that we do really need to be cautious. But, you know, we need to find some opportunities for kids to play. I mean, there's tournaments been happening, you know through the midwest you know every weekend since june with 50 plus teams at, at these events and it doesn't mean that you know somebody hasn't tested positive or that they won't but um you know there there are ways to to get kids back out there and, and provide opportunities and, and reduce the risk as much as possible
1: yeah so you're a dribble drive motion coach is that how long you've been running that coach
2: be about my eighth year running uh running dribble drive i'll say the the first couple of years i was it was not good dribble drive i i'm not sure i could call it dribble drive if i look back on it now because knowledge was pretty limited and uh fortunate to have some some good mentors and some people that uh, started to steer me the right direction but uh i would uh argue like like a lot of people there's some really good dribble drive teams and there's some teams that say they're running dribble drive and they're they're running some version of four out weaves that I've never seen before.
1: <laughs> four out weave. That's good. So who are, who are some of those coaches that help steer the ship for you and, and get you, get you stopped running that four man weave?
2: yeah um so i mean first started it with uh with some club stuff and and started getting into it with uh gary lavender is one of the uh oregon elite uh club coaches here in uh in oregon that uh, coached for 30 plus years at lake oswego high school and second winningest coach in oregon but um really was uh you know turned on to the dribble drive stuff by uh one of your guys kurt uh Gulsdorf, who know really well and um has certainly taught me more about basketball than than anybody uh it, Prior to that, and just uh, you know, taught me a valuable lesson and just kind of paying it forward and that uh, I really just you know, watched uh, you know, some summer stuff and his teams were always good and went to the, the school website and tracked down his email address and uh, sent him an email and said, hey, you guys, you guys are always really good. I'm a coach at this school you've probably never heard of. I'm a guy you've never heard of. I'm just a young coach and uh, if there's ever an opportunity to come up and watch one of your practices, you know, would, would you have me? And uh, I'll never forget, it was less than 30 minutes later, I got a phone call from him and, uh, he was up speaking at some clinic and, uh, yeah, he talked to me for an hour on the phone, sent me his playbook from the season, sent me a whole bunch of stuff and said, when I get back next week, let's get together and meet and, uh, let's, let's sit down and talk. And I had, I had nothing to offer him <laughs> at the time. He wasn't, he wasn't getting anything from me out of his time, but, uh, yeah, just kind of cool how he, how he was willing to do that.
1: Speaking of that, um, me and him putting together, a, a DDM A to Z instructional series that, um, People can come to, it's going to be six weeks, uh, 12 sessions, kind of kind of putting together a, an encyclopedia to learn triple drive. Cause I, like what you said, um, there's some really bad DDM. I've been part of those myself. I started running it um, 2008. So me and Kurt's doing that. Um, Kurt's been great to me. Like you said, I, I contacted him in March um, with mm-hmm. COVID and sent him an email. Like, I think the next day we were on the phone talking for an hour and a half. And then he came on some Zoom clinics privately with me. Then he's done a couple official ones. And he's, 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 there's nobody better. I mean, no, there he's, isn't. He's, he's Mr. I clack, coaches at Clackamas Junior College and as humble as they can get. We always joke he's, he's a no fluff guy. It, it, it's yeah. just content with, with Kurt. So, uh, um, yeah. Those are all great guys. Is there anybody else that's helped you?
2: Yeah, gosh, like uh, Jay Ego was at, at Beaverton High School here in Oregon forever. And um, sounds silly, like, you know, I, I wasn't a, a Synergy guy because, you know, didn't have the budget for Synergy. I didn't even know, you know, all that was offered through Synergy. But I would go and, uh, you know, whether it was like a, a Kelly Sopak with his Cal Stars groups in the summer and watching or I just went to YouTube and started uh, looking for game tapes and came across uh like Doc Shepler down at down at Pinewood, some of their games, you know, you can find, you know, them playing against Sabrina at Miramani in the in the playoffs a couple of times and seeing some of their best stuff. And so I didn't I didn't have the fancy like, you know, clips like they have in Synergy. It was uh, you know, I'd watch a game and you know, hope to find a couple of things that I liked and hold the phone up to the, the screen and hit record and you know, you're yeah. to get the grainy, grainy footage. But uh, you know, anything I could beg, borrow and steal from somebody, I was I was doing it.
0: Welcome to the Basketpedia Podcast, brought to you by System Basketball. On this episode, we have Coach Justin Duke, from Wilsonville High School in Oregon. Coach Duke was the 2020 Coach of the Year in Oregon. We will discuss dribble-drive motion offense, his Wilsonville program and some NBA. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Basketpedia Podcast with Coach Justin Duke of Wilsonville High School, starting September 14th. Coach Mark Hart and Kurt Galesdorf are hosting a dribble drive motion offense instruction series. It will be six weeks long in twelve sessions. You can sign up for forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents through August twenty eighth. After that, the price goes up to sixty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. For more information or to sign up, go to www.systembasketball.com.
1: Yeah, I, I got my I got my stuff from. Hardly anyone knows the guy. on John Jordan, he was at St. Francis high school. He used to travel up to, um, Wahlberg's practices. And, okay. and so I got some 2005, 2006 Fresno city, um, championship. I think, I think Vance, um, went undefeated. Um, okay. so I have a couple of those games, a um, couple of stuff on practices, um, and got it all from him. And he was implement, he was huge for me. At the press because my first year ever running it as I ever did with it was made. Okay. I didn't do it. Miss. But okay. When I started going to miss it brought, I don't know how you feel. Are do you feel that you need to do both for the system of dribble drive or do you, or do you think the, the, the dribble drive works good by itself?
2: I think, you know, my personal opinion is it works well by itself. I do think that, you know, if you're going to run dribble drive, you've got it. the tempo has to be, has to be right. So you don't have to, you know, run Wahlberg's press, but you, you better be comfortable passes. with, yeah, you better be doing something to, to, to play fast enough that you're going to get your, you know, for us in Oregon, you know, we don't have a shot clock. We have to press if we want the, you know, the pace to pick up because we're not, you know, the shot clock's not going to dictate pace for us. So, you know, we have to spend a lot of time how we we're going to dictate pace and, for us you know we we've got to get you know between 80 85 possessions minimum a game for high school girls is where we need to land just based on how we're going to run our offense and the the shots we're going to take and the shots we're going to allow some kids to take that you know maybe if we're getting 50 possessions they they wouldn't take and so if we're going to allow some of that freedom then we've got to make sure that it's we're balancing it with the the amount of possessions we get
1: so you've been coming on some of the the Zoom clinics that I that I've done um, are you just trying to reconfirm what you do, or are there certain things that you're maybe looking at to try to to take back to Wilsonville?
2: Uh, both, right? Always looking for for different things, and especially different ways to you know keep it simple for the, for the kids to understand. And I think that's what every year we try and come back, and it's like we we want to get better, we want to adjust, but more than anything, how do we how do we make it simpler? To, to implement so we can spend more time on, you know, adjustments down the road. How do, you know, if we're still putting in our base stuff or we're trying to explain our base, it's so intricate that we're still working through it at Christmas time, then it's just, that's not, you know, I guess I'm the coach that wants to put in the two baseline out-of-bounds plays two days before we play somebody and try and steal four points rather than still working on the reads of what's going to happen when <laughs> Susie gets the ball on the at the three spot after a ball reversal. So um yeah but love love what you guys are doing and, and i put it all in a folder and uh idea folder and then i come back as we get closer to our season and start to break down like what makes sense for us what positions are we going to have kids and you know what's like kurt has ta- told me many times like what's your return on investment this might be the best play in the world but if it's only going to work once you're going to get two points out of it but like, you got to spend two hours of practice time putting it in it's not worth it <laughs> so there you go um
1: so who are you studying? Anybody in particular that you've really been studying a lot or any film on anybody?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I get deep into the Synergy now, now that I've got a, a Synergy account. So I'm, I'm deep in the archives and, and digging around and, uh, uh, you know, on the women's side, like some of the stuff that Marquette's done with some of their five out stuff, you know, always, but well, you, you just find some, some stuff deep in there, whether when you get down into like the junior college division three, division two, mm-hmm. like there, there's oh, just yeah. some amazing coaching going on out there at, at all levels that, you know, there you can get stuck in there for days. And uh, yeah, so I've got lists and lists of, of, you, of good stuff. Are
1: you, are you diving into Florida Gulf Coast women?
2: Yep. Yep. I've spent, spent some time on them for, mm-hmm. for sure. They're uh, they run some really good stuff. Yeah, obviously, you know, Mike at Arkansas, you know, has been a dribble drive guy for a long time. And, you know, some of the best part is with synergy is you can go back with 10 years with all the game, game clips yeah. So you can go back and watch You know, What were they doing with Kelsey plum and and Chantel, you know, out of some box stuff, you know, how many times do you see box sets. there flowing into some dribble drive, you know, principles. So it's some pretty neat stuff on uh, just how to position kids and and still use you know, your your system that you want to run.
1: Yeah, I was Earlier today, I was going back to Greg Campy, Oakland. Uh And I went all the way back to 2010, 2011 with
2: Bader
1: and um, Felder. And I was like, wow, that looks like actual dribble drive. Because nowadays, I don't know what you think, Coach, but like you said, oh, dribble drive. Um, I, I see a lot of people saying they're running dribble drive, but I think it's more concepts now and And maybe they're flowing into it, yep, but they're not. I mean, I've had people on, and it looks like to me they're running like a chin action or the Princeton Point series and flowing into dribble drive so I'll, so sometimes I'm joking isn't is that the Princeton Drive motion, or is that <laughs> um because i I still watch uh, Fresno city um, mm-hmm. and and Vance's teams, but the thing that's really interesting is it's blown up on the girl side. Yeah. Um, and if you're talking about teams that are purely running it, it's probably more on the girl side.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I see. Ron, Ron Huey at Houston.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Um, Lord Lane at Texas Rio Grande Valley. Come to my, um, not sure if old dominion's still running it.
2: I can't remember what they were running on. I'd go back and go back and, and look got at some of my Dick
1: Schaefer. Goals.
2: Yep. He's a, yeah, he's fun at, uh, when he was at Mississippi state, cause they, now had some, yeah. yeah, some neat stuff on how to utilize the post, a lot of four down action. Um, but a lot of dribble drive principles. And then they had some stuff like, uh, you know, some of the concepts we use were sending two kids through the slot through and two blast cuts, you know, for a, for a middle drive into a, you know, double triple gap type stuff that, and, and they were running it continuously. They're not running it as one action. Like that's just the part of their base. So it's interesting.
1: So how much do you get zoned?
2: Uh, about half and half. Um, it really depends um, on the on the teams. Um, we a lot of our stuff flows the the same. Like I would say, you know, we're we kind of like guilty of the we're not running Princeton, but we're. I always say like now that dribble drive has gotten so popular, teams are really good at walking through in their shell drill. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to help off the strong side. This is how we're going to cut, you know, come down from the weak side and make them throw the drag. So we don't give up the the dump when the post relocates. Yeah. Um, but when you're three passes into it and you're still running and you're flowing into dribble drive, all that kind of goes out the window unless you run it you know it's like it's easy to remember if you're telling your point guard to come down and get to the the rack or the drop zone on how you're going to defend but a lot different if you're flowing into it out of something
1: i remember back in 2008 when nobody was running it down here and i was Uh i can go middle middle pin to a kickback rack yep now you're having to do some massaging and false motions or whatever you want to call it and getting into it so that's when i asked about the pressing aspect of it and Mm -hmm. is if you're having to run sets and stuff, I don't think it's dribble drive anymore. Um, you, you want to be playing the open floor, playing pen, pen and kick, but now you're just running, almost massaging it and running entries like a flex. Like right. before, because at the start of the revolution of flex offense, you could just get it, two people at the elbow, three along the baseline and just getting your continuity. Yep. And everybody knew what you were doing. And then you started getting different formations, two guard sets, one-two-two screen downs, diagonal cuts, and massaging it, if you will, before you actually got in the continuity. So it's weird how it's not a continuity offense, but you're having to do something more than send your trailer through and drive, or one-to-one, I call it the five because I'm a Wahlberg guy, Uh one-to-five, basket cut, blur screen, whatever you want to refer to them as, and drive. It, yep uh, you know you know if you're getting that it don't matter that night what who you're playing against because they're probably not
2: very good exactly <laughs> and the, yeah 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 why it's blown up on the girls side i think you know you watch like how many you know, somebody goes and watches a high school or even a college girls basketball game how many charges are going to be taken in a game when you watch a girls basketball game not really deep. so you teach your kids to be aggressive and put their head down and, and get that thing to the rack there you're going to win a lot of games cause you're going to get fouled or, you know, it's just, you know, teaching that level of, of aggression that, you know, that uh, really goes a long way, especially on the girls side.
1: Yeah. I took one of the biggest speakers. I took stuff away from is doc Shepard. Um, mm-hmm. His, I'm not a big floater fan wasn't, mm-hmm. but I started watching his stuff and how much he, like he did his clinic. And I'm like, doc, how many finishes do you have? And he like looked at his thing. He's like, like 50 something i'm like huh i mean yep I, I've, and, and he sent been... me and he sent me the list and he was a lion i'm like
2: i mean yeah it's a, you it's, know, obviously it's
1: 50 where where it's one with the right hand one with the left hand so you can combine it into one finish but um
2: but yeah. i mean he's his, been kind enough to let us uh come down and and film a couple of his practices and uh yeah, he's, he's not joking. Those kids know how to finish, and if it's a two-hour practice, it's an hour-and-a-half offensive skill session. Uh, you know, you're, you're seeing it all, and those, those kids know how to play and uh, very basic offense, but, boy, they, they are skilled, and, and he's got a way of teaching it that uh, really resonates with them. They're They're fun to watch.
1: So defensively for you guys, are you kind of a system-oriented defense or are you scout-based?
2: More scout base but um you know and we do play a lot of zone we do a lot of extended one one three um and just you know some different pickup points and different things we're going to do out of it but um, you know really our our reasoning for that is i was i was never a huge zone guy um but i mean more because i just didn't know enough about it you know i've always kind of got you know like well they're just going to stand in a two three zone because that's (laughs) i just didn't know enough but um yeah i think the best way it was explained to me is one it's the state tournament kids are nervous they don't always shoot the greatest right so you know playing zone you know it, it, you know helps you know at, at times in, in that scenario but probably the biggest one is coaches just don't have very good zone offenses is we can spend less time focused on zone defense and there's some very basic principles of this you know when they have a high post and a short corner or this is the action, this is what we're going to do. And uh, this is how we have to defend it. And yeah. you start to go out like, I don't know. I mean, we're dribble drive guys. Like if I go back and look at the quick hitters we have against man and, and the quick hitters we have against zone, it's probably four to one man for, for zone for what we have. I and mean, we just have so much more in, you know, on the, on the man side. And I think coaches just, you know, they focus so much on their man offense that it's a, it's an advantage for us, but it could be different.
1: Ironic. I've ran the 113 the last three years. So oh, yeah. um, who, who did you get it from anybody in particular? I mean, I've studied um, Dunlap's version, um, mm-hmm. Flannery's version, McCarthy's version. Um, I mean, it's obviously TARC. Um, mm-hmm. So like you said, what the one thing I've noticed about it is it almost eliminates ball screens.
2: Yes. Yep. Not many, many teams. And if, and if they do, you know, you don't have hedge switch drop, you don't have six different ball screen coverages out of your zone defense. You know, we're, we're we're guarding it one way and and this is the way we're going to do it. But um, I learned it from a a high school guy that uh, had a lot of success that is now, now on our staff at, at Wilsonville and it's had some really good teams and been doing it for 20 plus years. And taught me so much about it. And just the simplicity, like, you know, we can knock out in 10 to 15 minutes, we can knock out two or three drills that are our maintenance drills. And we're feeling pretty good about 80% of the stuff we're going to see. And yeah, You just, you just can't do that on the man side. So, so we play both, but that's, that's you know the reason we do it. We just, I like offense. Yeah. You know, we're going to spend more time working on offense than and skill building than we are on the, on the defensive stuff.
1: Like we've been talking about Oregon, Oregon's like a hotbed for basketball. Um, Tell me about Dame. It's Dame time. So, um, are you a, are you a Trailblazer fan?
2: I am. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been fun to watch and and a nice distraction to see those guys back and playing. And, uh, you know, probably because living in Oregon, uh, a little bit different and probably biased, but uh, love the the idea that, you know, he keeps saying that he's not leaving to to go join a, a super team down in LA or or something like that. He's committed to making this thing work here in, in Portland. And uh, I think that's why, you know, City's fallen in love with him and easy, easy guy to root for.
1: Yeah, I've been with me having Synergy access to, um, I've been cutting up clips to send to my To my team and you know upload them and say uh, get your drive game get your get your come off the ball screen game i looked it up the other day and guys 1.34 points per possession off of ball screens sheesh so i mean that's amazing he he, the top three guys are him uh chris paul and um trey young
2: okay Yeah, this is kind of
1: interesting. They're all, they're all 6'1", 6'2", Trey Young's what, maybe six feet tall? Right. Um, So, um,
2: do you import a lot of
1: ball screens or, or no?
2: What's that? I'm sorry. Do you,
1: do you use ball screens with your teams?
2: Uh, we do. Uh, we started uh, and not until the, like the, the last year or two really uh, started to implement and started to put some drag stuff in with uh, with our post and use that as an entry to some dribble drive stuff. But uh, you, know, you talked about it. We, we started using it against the zone quite a bit and, uh, you know, pushing and overloading aside and, and really against a zone for whatever reason. Right. Like you, you, man, you know, t- kids know how to get through that screen. But, if, you know, you run against zone and all of a sudden it's like kids are like Velcro hitting that screen. And it's like, I don't know if they just assume that there's that other kid that's going to pick them up in the zone, but all of a sudden our our screens are a lot more effective and just creating that, you know, that advantage and then really just turning it into a lot of dribble drive concepts after that.
1: So what's the forecast for you guys? If you're fortunate enough to play, you got a lot back?
2: We do. Yeah, we've got a couple of uh, Division One commits coming back and, uh, you know, just to... a really strong youth program and and some some kids coming in and we we play a lot of kids or at least you know we, we have in the past and that probably benefits us more in a situation like this than anything where you know it didn't matter who we played this year you know we found a way to get 11 12 kids on the floor for for every game might not have been a ton of time but um kind of go back to you know, if you're going to dress those kids down for varsity you better find a way to use them uh, you better not just you know just set them there and so uh we do some things like you know, I know like Kurt runs like a thunder and lightning group, right? Like you're going to get like your special teams, you know, together. And it's like, this is a package for them. And so we try and get like our eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 kids. Like, can we, can we get these guys a package of two or three things that, that we can get them good at that we can start the second quarter with, with that group? and let them go out there and it's kind of like now they know they're going to play they're engaged they get on the floor and it might only be two minutes but now everybody's going into halftime and and nobody's hanging their head (laughs) right and it's like everybody yeah there's not the two or three kids on the bench that are waving up at mom and dad in the stands or anything like that that uh having some fun with it so i I think it makes our practices better and just kind of team building
1: so going back to portland i'm a i'm I'm an i i'm in i'm in california Um, and I'm a little nervous, um, with, with Lillard. Um, but tell me your thoughts about the Portland Lakers series.
2: Uh, well, I'm nervous just because, uh, you know, we are playing really well, but the last time that we came across Anthony Davis in the playoffs, it, it didn't go too well for us. I think they swept they swept us out of there, and uh, Dame had some a hard time on the on the pick and roll stuff just because he's so long that he can you know influence that the the three or get into the rim. He kind of plays in between where somebody a little bit smaller he can you know, take advantage of that stuff. So um, you know I think the the advantage if I'm you know, putting on the you know this this is why the glass is half full it's you know LA's not a great outside shooting team. You know, it doesn't say they don't have a ton of shooters and our defense is is really bad. So <laughs> we got to pack the pack it in and uh hopefully that uh, Kuzma and those guys aren't aren't knocking them down from everywhere but that's a
1: yeah, I think you guys are a couple wing defenders short of being a legitimate for the next few years uh NBA championship contender because yeah. if you don't have any wing defenders, I don't know how you're going to um, make life difficult for LeBron.
2: Yeah, I don't even know who guards Le- LeBron or or Davis, to be honest. I mean,
1: well, Nurkic, Nurkic will will Nurkic or uh, the
2: other kid yeah. that went to Gonzaga. Forgot his name. Yeah, um, we got Zach Collins. That's a, a tough cover when he steps him out on the perimeter like that for for Nurkic to cover that far out. And you know, Whiteside can probably do it, but Your guys I mean.
1: Your advantage is point guard spot we'll, we'll, nobody on the Lakers can guard him so
2: yeah yeah might be uh first first to 120.
1: <laughs> it might it might be like you said who's third guy on their team because McCollum McCollum and right. Lillard will keep a minute
2: yeah, if uh, Carmelo has uh, a couple throwback games and has the the legs to to score it enough, that that'd be great. And uh, Gary Trent Jr. has been shooting it really well. But uh, yeah, if Nurkic plays like he did the other night, then you know I'd feel good about playing most most teams right now. But uh, I don't know, it's a it's an uphill battle. And I always say, if if people are liking us this much, then that <laughs> can't be a good sign <laughs> because if if that was the case, we'd all be rich betting on games in Vegas, right?
1: Yeah, if you. Um had to pick a team who's going to, who's going to, who's going to win it in the bubble.
2: Oh, uh, I think the Clippers are going to win it. I think the Clippers have got a good shot. I think that they're, you know, just kind of flying under the, the radar, but not flying under the radar. They're obviously one of the favorites, but I think Lakers get a lot of, uh, you know, Publicity for it. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, they just feel like Kawhi joined that group and him and George are starting to figure it out. You know, they, they didn't have a huge sample size to go off of before they got to the bubble. And uh watched them play the other day, and it's like, uh oh, okay, these guys are starting to figure it out here a little bit at the right time. And uh yeah, it'll be. Yeah, their
1: their second five would be starters on majority of the NBA teams. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they'll go 10 deep. They may. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's just been amazing there. How well they have kept COVID out of there.
2: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it it certainly it certainly gives them hope, and uh, I like the the stories that are coming out with the the AAU feel. I watched the the Nuggets jazz game earlier. And, uh, the guys, uh, you know, showing a picture of, uh, Donovan Mitchell sitting uh, by the pool in his socks or whatever, after he just got 57 on him. And he was like, not only do I have to, you know, like, you know, get, lose today, but now I got to see this guy sitting by the pool <laughs> yeah, I got to go see him. This is, this is like going back to the hotel and you're staying with the, uh-huh. <laughs> in the same AAU you know, event where it's stay and play and we're, we're all stuck here together. So kind of funny.
1: Yeah, I didn't know what to expect everybody thought I was going to be like terrible basketball, but the eight, eight play in games that each, each one got because you had all those just those teams there. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you had Phoenix go eight no Yeah. Um, and then not be able to even get a play in game. Um, I mean, they They got something to build on. Um, so yeah. So coach. You've been doing this for quite a while. If we got some young coaches end up listening to this, what advice would you give them about building a basketball program?
2: Just, uh, you know, find some people that you trust and, and circle with them. And then, um, you know ask them as many questions as possible you know i think that you know looking back you know sending the you know an email to to a guy like kurt um you know probably changed the trajectory of not the you know the program i'm at now but the the program that i was you know was at before and the the things that we were able to accomplish and um you know we're still competitive right you know that we, we forget sometimes that they're you know kind of this you know fraternity of coaches or you know club of coaches or, or whatever you want to call it that you know there's there's so many people out there that that are willing to share that um you know it's it's tough because it's the balance of i want to be confident and i want you know not going to be influenced by a bunch of parents or this that or the other but at the same time you know you, you got to continue to grow as a as a coach and and find those people that that you can trust and and then make it your own so um yeah i think that's the, the best advice i could give somebody
1: all right, coach. Well, um, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, good luck to you guys at Wilsonville. Stay safe up there in Oregon and hopefully we all get to get back on that court here shortly.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for, for everything you're doing. These are these are great and enjoy the, the clinics and uh, I don't know what you and Kurt are, are charging for your A to Z dribble drive motion thing, but whatever it is, it's it's not enough. So <laughs> tell, tell people to jump on that.
1: Uh, it's 49.99 until the 28th then it goes up to 69.99 so i yeah, yeah, yeah. i think it's a steal for 12 hours that's just i'm biased though so yeah um, that's, I, that's... I mean so but again thanks coach and we'll see you on on one of our future calls
2: all right sounds good thanks coach